grow, stretch, test your boundaries, get out of your comfort zone. And that will be a very good uh, a foundation for you to be an entrepreneur. If you're literally just gonna go to college, graduate, start a business, and you've kind of stayed in your bubble, you, you might be very successful. But my advice, for myself at least, was to get out of my comfort zone, push my boundaries a little bit, and discover that even if you fall down or even if you feel uncomfortable, you're always gonna get back up. You're gonna bounce back up. And um, that would be my advice, is, to, is to, to do some stretching and growing, which I know a lot of people do early in their early life, but maybe, maybe you're in your 40s now, maybe you're in your 50s now, maybe you're in your 60s now, and you wanna do something new. Well, the world is a real adventure. Go out there and push your boundaries a little bit and I think that will give you a good baseline for, for an entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to another episode of Optimizandome or Optimizing Me. My name is JJ Ruizcas and I am your host in this show where we bring particular, very special humans from whom we learn about their story, their mindset, their habits and routines and what got them to where they are right now. Our guest today is an icon here in Texas. He has, his company actually has more than 30 locations and keeps growing. But it's not only about the business side that matters. He has created a culture around healthy lifestyles, community and contribution that powers that growth. What is crazy is that he has reached to that level of success with the initial goal of being a slacker. One juice at a time, he's pushing the bounds of health food with the belief that fresh foods can and be life-changing habits. I'm super happy to have today in the show the founder, CEO, and originator of Juiceland. Let's welcome Matthew. Matt, hey, thanks, JJ. It's my pleasure to have you here. So let's go straight into, into what is important. Who's Matt Shook and what does to be an entrepreneur mean to you? Well, Matt Shook is a Texan. Matt Shook is a kid at heart. And Matt Shook likes to have fun. So that's who I am, you know. Um, whether I'm being a dad or a boss or a husband or if I'm on my own, I'm generally trying to have some fun. So. Um, that's kind of my fueling passion is to make every day as enjoyable as possible by a couple of jokes here or there, good attitude here or there, little sprinkles of healthy living and basically if I can get some dancing in, that usually equates to fun. Yeah, so you, I, I know that you have had a lot of dancing, especially on every new location that you guys had. So, Let's talk a little bit about what was the key moment that introduced you into this path? Well, the key moment was the time that I went to the juice joint on Barton Springs Road, down on Barton Springs uh, uh, by our pool, our local big natural spring pool, and um, I had a carrot ginger juice. I'd never had fresh juice before, and that pretty much changed my life when I tasted just all of the flavor explosion, and I felt the energy from the juice, and I felt elevated it it was it was a, a an epiphany for me it's interesting because it's rare to find here that in the u.s and the first time when we met it was the 
the reminiscence of how fresh things here are in Jews land that brought me back to my childhood. Yeah. So having something like that here in the US, it's not something that common until you brought it here and now it's every day today, right? True. I would say that the way food started to move in the, I guess the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was all about, you know, the industrialization of food and fast food as a commodity and making sure that people had, um, you know, quick food that was inexpensive. And by doing that, I think we got away from healthy eating. So I would say that the fast food movement took away from, from our ability to enjoy healthy food. And so, you know, a lot of juice bars in California, because there's a lot of produce in California. A lot of juice bars in Miami, you know, uh, uh, Florida, because there's, you know, lots of fresh produce there. But here in Texas, you can't really grow pineapples and bananas and oranges, well, at least not in this area. And so I think there was just a disconnect there. So yeah, I didn't see a lot of healthy fast food when I was growing up. I didn't even see it into my you know teens or 20s. But when I got to Austin, um, there, there was this great juice bar on Barton Springs Road called the Juice Joint. So that's where I started working. And um, I realized when I worked there that people really did want healthy, nutritious, and convenient food. And so smoothies are that. Juice Line is basically a healthy fast food chain. That's right. Which is amazing. That's right. Healthy fast food chain. Now, how? let's go back to the time of the Juice Joint. Because yep. like you said, you started there. Yep as an employee, what, yep. what brought you to that situation and how that evolved into Juzland? You know, um, sometimes you just following your, your instincts. I, you know, I worked a couple of food service jobs, you know, um, Mediterranean restaurant and, and a sandwich shop, but this was the one that I fell in love with for sure. And uh, I had a friend working there. He got me a part-time job, I think maybe eight hours a week I started and, um, you know, I like to have my music on. I like to have my friends working with me. So I started slowly changing the vibe of the place to make it so, you know, it was more fun. And um, in doing so, I think I became the manager pretty quick and uh, maybe self-appointed manager. And uh, after that, everything just kind of fell into place. So really it was, it was all just about, you know, a part-time job that really did lead to something much bigger. And at that time, you were still the employee of the Jews, the Jews, the Jews Juice Joint. Joint. How, did it, how did it happen that you turn it into what it's now? Well, I spent a couple of years working there. And um, in doing so, I built a customer base. You know, some regulars, you know, like any good bartender. You have regulars, people that come to talk to you. So, so I had that relationship with my customers. And then one fateful day, um, the police showed up and the constables and the local authorities and they were evicting the business, which means mm -hmm. everything gets taken out of the building and thrown away. And so I called my boss at the time and told them he was being evicted for not paying rent. He goes, yeah, I don't care. I'm, I'm done with that business, you know. <laughs> so basically I inherited all of the equipment that was going to be thrown away. And I had met the landlord's son at a concert two months previous. So I called the number, said, hey, where does your dad live? Drove to the dad's house, signed a lease that day, and the rest is history. So when you ask how I got going, you know, really, it's very serendipitous. And I say that when things line up and there's good coincidences and synchronicities, and you know, next thing you know, um, I was just basically following, uh, following the guidelines that the universe was giving me. That is around 2003. 2003. 2003. Nice. So, yep. 
in this journey that you have taken since that time, what are some of the mistakes that you think that that you have made? Hey, mistakes are just um, chances to learn. So I don't even know if they're called mistakes. Um, one mistake I think I made was not finding enough drive-throughs back when they were available. I didn't think that our customers wanted drive-throughs because it was more of a come in, be a part of the vibe, you know, hang out. But more and more we're realizing, especially when COVID hit, yeah, sure. people love to be in the car. And, um, you know, if you've got a kid, you like to be in the car, or if you're on your phone, maybe you stay in the car. So that was a mistake, was not seeing how important drive-throughs could be to our model. Um, but besides that, I don't know if I can think of any other real mistakes. Um, done things, I'm pretty, I'm pretty satisfied. Like I have very little regrets. So from your perspective, what are mistakes that you see in other people that are starting their own entrepreneurial journey? Aha. Well, it's the inability to delegate. Keeps people, you know, where one person at the center of the business wants to try to do everything. And of course, that's just a difficult proposition. You've got to be able to trust people and let you, let them uh, do their job. And um, that's something that I did pretty early on was delegate to really, really capable people who might not have had the experience, but they, they learned quickly and I trusted that they could do the job. So that's probably the number one mistake. Um, the other mistake I think is paralysis through analysis. And I would say it's one of my um, favorite attributes of myself is the ability to say, we can do it, we'll pull it off, whatever it is, let's try it. As opposed to being too hesitant and, and, and not seeing how it would work. So I would rather, it's like in poker, I'd rather play a lot of hands than hang out on the sideline just because I might save a dollar or two. So I think definitely being, uh, taking risks, taking risks is something I think is important for an entrepreneur and, uh, and not being in a paralysis through analysis state of mind. In this scenario, risks, how do you measure, how do you calculate your risks? Because many people, for some people, it could be risky to, to cross the street right when it's not how do you manage those well i just think at a certain point you have to be uh, trusting you have to be trusting that you're in the right place for the right reason at the right time and um, of course it's good to be protective and it's good to be thoughtful but i also think that um, sometimes people get stuck in that mindset where they're being so protective that they can't you know cross the street like you said so it's different for everybody but really what it takes is a, a clear mind and a clear heart, and then you just trust that it's going to work. Now, something that I found fascinating around the culture of Jewsland is how you de develop this one, because you have this thing that it is, I like to be around, and correct me if I'm wrong, this quote is, I like to be around people or to work with people that I like to be around. That's right. So how did you manage to create a culture where this is a family, right? Honestly, it was through being myself, you know? I felt like I could be myself, and so I met people that were um, accepting of me, and I liked them, and, and that right there, was, that's a lot. When you can find just a few people that you really, really, I'll say love, 
um, that was the original store. And so, of course, that just spread and just spread. You know, we had good vibes and good times and uh, we have a good product. So I think people were just naturally attracted to it. So there's no like secret recipe besides um, starting off with a strong culture. It will just naturally grow. It will just naturally grow. Let's get some juice. Huh? Yeah, chocolate hemp milk. It's good and for protein. That one, and this is a golden glow. Features turmeric and uh, orange juice, pineapple juice. It's one of my favorites. Nice. So now, question: How how do you come up with the recipes? Because this is some kind of art that you are performing with juices. It's true, and I love that you say art because I do feel like each location is has its own artistic. Um, energy where people enjoy it and uh, a a admire it and they're kind of, it's kind of like living art and I, and I love that you use that word and so the the recipes it's like how can you go wrong with fresh fruits and vegetables like the combinations just work out I mean sure maybe garlic isn't everybody's favorite to drink but generally pineapples oranges ginger spinach kale we have infinite combinations and they're all pretty darn interesting and tasty. So what we do is we try out a recipe, we make it a monthly special, and if people love it, it makes its way to our permanent menu. Which is a way to test the product. <laughs> We've had some monthly specials, nobody bought them, nobody liked them. We, we didn't know what, we don't know why, just it is. We've had other monthly specials that were selling more than the menu items. Wow. So. It's all about um, experimenting and then judging the results. So it's a fun way to uh, come up with drinks is to just try a new one every couple months. Wow. Now let's move into more of Matt Shook as a person. Yes. Who are or where your role models, your mentors? Oh my goodness. Let's see here. My role models and mentors. You know, at the most formative ages, it's been musicians. You know, I really looked up to musicians. Um, music from an early age to me was more than just background. It was like fully immersive. And so um, the, the freedom and the creativity that um, musicians have, the freedom and the creativity to express themselves, that's something I always admired. I wasn't a musician, I'm not good at instruments, but I, I've appreciated music throughout the years passionately. I go to concerts and shows and festivals and I really passionately appreciate the music, almost as passionately as the musician that's performing it. And I feel like that gets me to a level of, uh, of enjoyment that, that kind of mirrors their level. So therefore it's kind of like, it's a symbiotic relationship. And so music's really helped me find um, a way to get in touch with my creative side. And so, you know, I also was a big fan of um, different novelists and books over the years. Um, you know, one book, for instance, On the Road, Jack Kerouac, mm -hmm. it changed my life. Back to the idea of being a slacker, you said. You know, the idea that the world would provide for you if you simply gave up wanting things and simply got in the flow to see where life would take you. That's something that I embraced at a young age. And of course, it took me to a good, you know, it took me to a good place. Yeah. Which requires also to be brave. Yep, you gotta trust. Trust. Yep, you have to trust. 
And it's interesting because I know that before getting into the Jews business, you were a DJ, is that correct? That's right. Well, simultaneously, yeah. I mean, in fact, I used to drive around certain areas of Austin in my van with my records and my PA system and I'd see a party happening and I'd go up and say, hey, do you guys need a DJ? And they say, oh, how much is it? I said, no, just free. I was just driving by. And they'd be like, sure. So a lot of times I would DJ simply on a drive-by. But um, I did weddings and I worked at a couple of nightclubs and did some shows and back to the appreciation of music. I, I loved music. I love music so much that playing records and playing music for people, that was where I found a lot of, uh, a lot of joy. Yeah. And you are someone who's, who's very in touch, like you said, with music and art, specifically with music. So I know that on every, in every occasion that you need to come up with a new story, you are dressing up in costumes and dancing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love performance art. I think I probably would be a performance artist if I wasn't an entrepreneur. I'm not sure how they're much different, really. But um, I love, you know, grabbing the attention of a car going by with a sign that says now open while you're in a pink unicorn outfit. That's a that's time well spent, in my opinion. Um, humans are such creatures of habit and they'll drive the same street every day for years to get to work. And they've got their mind if you can get them to look over and see a now open sign, that to me is an accomplishment. So yeah, many times over the years I've tried to get people's attention through costumes, sign, and a little bit of performance art. Uh, have a banana phone, be talking on the banana phone, and when someone looks at me from their car, I say, did you call me? And they go, no. You know, Just trying to make people laugh a little bit, trying to have some fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that which is, I know, part of the Jusland culture right now to connect with the customer. It truly is. Yes, it truly is. Yeah. You know, day a day should never be boring. As my wife says, only boring people are bored. So get out there and, and create a little fun. Have a conversation at the register, at the grocery store, with the person in line behind you. Um, you know, go out and do a new bike ride, an area you've never ridden before. You know, there's always a way to be adventurous um, with each day. And so I try to live that way myself. Talking about habits now, Matt, what are some of the habits or routines that you have in your day-to-day -day that allow you or, to, or enable you to be the best version of yourself? Well, this is the low-hanging fruit, but um, every day I have a really good smoothie. And uh, that's a habit for me. Um, I don't do it every day, but probably five days out of the week, get up early before the kids, do breath breath work, do a, a, a mantra, do some sort of a, um, exercise in order to get into a meditative state and do some sort of meditation, whether it be for five minutes or 30 minutes. Um, always trying to let everything settle so that, um, you know, I basically like to leave the house with a clear windshield. So you got to go out there and clean your windshield and, uh, um, you know, proverbially. And uh, so that's a habit for me. And then other habits are when something doesn't go the way I want it to go, stopping and appreciating the moment and saying, well, at least I get a chance to fix this. So a habit of recognizing that when something doesn't go right, you know, if you break a dish or if you're, you know, uh, late to a meeting, if something's not right, you stop and you just appreciate that and say, I can fix that next time. I'm so glad I have a chance to work on that. So that's a habit for me. Wow. 
How did you instill that habit? Well, um, honestly, uh, a good amount of, uh, of work around meditation helps to do that because I think a meditative mind um, is more observant and it takes you out of the moment and backs you up a little bit so that you can observe how you're behaving and how you're acting. Um, I think that self-reflection is very important in understanding how we react and how we get through our day, sometimes on autopilot. Mm. And the less you can be on autopilot, and the more you can be mindful and concerned with how you're affecting yourself and others, I think it gives you more chance for, for having like that pause to appreciate a moment and to try to do better. Hmm. Self-reflection. Self-reflection. About breathwork techniques, do you have any specific breathwork techniques? When COVID hit, um, I instantly thought, is there a way I can boost my immune system more? And I remember hearing about the Wim Hof method. So I downloaded the app and I wasn't very familiar. Uh, a coworker of mine showed us how to do the Wim Hof method at a group um, huddle, we call it. And I remember thinking it was cool, but I never really looked into it much further. But when I downloaded the app in March of 2020, I think it changed my life. I really am a huge fan of his guided techniques of listening and breath retention. And um, if anybody out there is has heard of Wim Hof or the Wim Hof method, they generally think of the ice bath. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the ice bath. The ice bath. But the breathing technique is just as cool. So I highly recommend it, and um, I try to use it four or five times a week. And I've shown many of my friends how to use it as well. In fact, Juiceland hosted a breathwork seminar last weekend at Casa de Luz. What? Yeah, should have invited you. Oh. I wasn't thinking, we'll do it again. Okay. And I invited Juiceland community, and we had some staff show up and some customers show up. And we had a really great seminar where it was an introduction to Wim Hof. That is so cool. Oh, that's so cool. Yep. Thanks, thanks for letting me know that. Yep. It's, I'm super curious because like you, I think the Wim Hof method changed my life as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think more people need, in this day and age where we're so busy, so much information, so many things to react to, so many ways to get off of your center, it's a great way to find your center. And um, yeah, I, I, I would be really interested to know how much his users increased in COVID. Ooh. Oh yeah. People at home, a little extra time, want to have their immune system up. So so that would be cool to find out. Um, but, but yeah, it's a super interesting technique. And I realized that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I would go to Barton Springs Pool and I would do breathing and then I would try to see how far underwater I could swim. Huh. So it was pretty much yeah. So it's. I think it's natural to us humans to use our breath to try to push ourselves. And I know anyone that's done scuba diving or free diving, they probably understand the serenity that comes with those moments of being underwater. But um, you can do that in the comfort of your own home just through uh, breath work with eyes closed. So, so if anybody out there is looking for a nudge, let's let this be the nudge that we both endorse <laughs> yeah. the Wim Hof method. So true. Yep. Now, when we when we met, I recall we were talking even about a specific type of meditation, which is vipassana. Yes. Right? 
how did that impact your life? So I'm familiar with the 10-day Vipassana retreats they have, and I chose another style. It was just a five-day silent retreat. Um, I followed my um, executive coach, CEO wife. I call her my executive coach and CEO because she's the one that's in charge. And um, she did a silent retreat with one of her friends and she came back as a changed person. And so after I went and tried it also, um, the amount of clarity you get and the ability to appreciate uh, your life, I guess the word gratitude. I don't think I truly understood how to practice gratitude until I took that time away from my life, away from my family, away from my business. And in that time, the five days I was on that retreat, I was able to see more clearly what I have to be grateful for. So basically that experience changed me for the better in a, in a, really, in a really meaningful way, big way. So I'm constantly trying to talk my friends into going to do it. Five days. Five days. It was it was such a pleasant experience and at the same time very emotional. You know, it's very emotional because I think we all get in the weeds where we're just looking like this and whenever you get to pull back a little bit and see the big picture, it can really, you know, grow your your heart and grow your um, your understanding of how amazing life can be. That is interesting because you guys have a mantra that is gratitude is the juice of life. Gratitude is the juice of life. So, you know, saying thank you, not just to someone that brings you a iced tea at lunch, but saying thank you to yourself, saying thank you to your loved ones and saying thank you to the universe for providing. I, I think that the more you say thank you, the more you appreciate what you have to be grateful for. So gratitude is the juice of life and we all get to make it juicier or less juicy, right? If, you don't, if you're like, ah, oh, this, ah, oh, that, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. But if you're like, wow, I appreciate this, I appreciate that, I think it makes life juicier. Even like you said, when something does not go the way that you expected, you can find gratitude in how to fix that thing, that opportunity. Constant exercise, constant practice, and I'm sure some people are way better at it than me. You know, but I like to think of myself in the spectrum as someone that, that kind of just tries to move towards that gratitude for others as much as possible. Gratitude for myself. Now, Let's talk a little bit, coming back to the entrepreneurial path. Yes. What is, okay, you have 10 floors or 20 floors in the elevator with someone who is trying to start their entrepreneurial path. You have just a, one minute. What is one advice that you can give this person to accelerate or to improve the way that they are taking their path? Grow first, grow. Do something that takes bravery. Go somewhere that really uh, tests your courage. Um, have experiences, meet people, travel. Do something to prove to yourself that you can trust the universe. Get your confidence in that regard 
and then find something you're passionate about and try to make a business out of it. If you see an opportunity to do something and you're not passionate about it, maybe rethink that. If you see an opportunity to do something that nobody else is doing and you feel like it's gonna be fulfilling as an entrepreneur, jump on it, go full in. So I'm probably not the best person to be giving advice about business because I will say I feel like I'm pretty lucky. Um, I feel like things went my way. But the advice I would give somebody else is grow, stretch, test your boundaries. Get out of your comfort zone and that will be a very good uh, a foundation for you to be an entrepreneur. If you're literally just going to go to college, graduate, start a business and you've kind of stayed in your bubble, you, you might be very successful. But my advice for myself at least was to get out of my comfort zone, push my boundaries a little bit and discover that even if you fall down or even if you feel uncomfortable, you're always going to get back up. You're going to bounce back up. And um, that would be my advice is, to, is to, to do some stretching and growing, which I know a lot of people do early in their early life, but maybe, maybe you're in your 40s now, maybe you're in your 50s now, maybe you're in your 60s now and you want to do something new. Well, the world is a real adventure. Go out there and push your boundaries a little bit. And I think that will give you a good baseline for, for an entrepreneurial journey. What you just said reminds me of fortune favors the bold. There you go. Truly. It truly does. Matt, so what is something that you unlearned in recent years that improved the quality of your life? Something that I unlearned in recent years that improved the quality of my life. Well, let's see here. Did you give me these questions beforehand? Yes, I did. I didn't do my homework. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another part of my entrepreneurial journey is I like to do everything in the moment. So let's see here. Well, you know, I'll go so far as to say that when you are going into business with anybody else, you might expect that you won't always be in business with that person or those people. So I think it's important for everyone to have a foundational understanding that we're gonna do this, we're gonna grow together, and if we ever separate, we wish each other the best. That's something that I think is very important in all relationships, is that just because something is not meant for a lifetime, doesn't mean you can't recognize the value of the time spent together. So what I'm saying is, even if your entrepreneurial ventures don't work out and there's a breakup, always leave with uh, an understanding that you want the best for each other and that the reason you came together was meaningful and it got something done and you everyone learns from it. So learning not to hold grudges is something that I think is very important. And um, another thing that I've learned is being a father, personally, big picture view, make as much time in your schedule as possible to be there for the kids. 
I hear some people with business, you know, it's working 70 hours a week, whatever. I didn't have to unlearn that that's not a good idea, but I'd like to reemphasize that. The point of life is not to be successful in business. And being a parent has taught me that. The point of life is to improve yourself so that you can show up the best for your family. So carve out that time for self-work, reflection, the gym, CrossFit, tennis, whatever it is that you want to do to make yourself better for your, for your kids. That's what I would say. If anybody here is planning to work 70, 80, 90 hours a week and just be like, I'll see the family on the weekends, I would say unlearn that before it's too late. Nice. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Now, yep. let's go back a little bit to yep. the past. How are you? Are we so far good? Yep. Let's get some drinks, eh? Yeah. Yep. Nice. How is it going? See how time. Now, let's see. I have here this, this interesting story. I know that you were in the business of fruit way before juices. What can you tell us about stealing blueberries? Well, when I was asked recently what my first job was, I thought, well, I used to bag groceries at the grocery store when I was 15. But then I was like, oh, and actually the real first job, my friends and I would take a ladder. We'd go to the field at the church out in the country where I lived in Aubrey, Texas. And we put the ladder on the blackberry bush, climb up to the top and pick all the blackberries and fill a cooler and take it back to my house and bundle them up in different containers and dip them in the sugar. We'd have some, but then we'd go door to door and sell blackberries. So I was selling blackberries in the third and fourth grade. So <laughs> I guess, I guess it was a good foreshadowing. Yeah, it is. It was. I know even Juzlan has mixed with your passion for music. I know that you guys have a vinyl record. We have a record store in Hyde Park. Um, we've had it for about eight years now and um, very good curated selection of records, both new and used. Uh, we have an amazing uh, uh, musician and uh, music show host here at our local public radio station, KUTX. His name is Soundfounder. Um, Andrew Brown is his name, but he goes by Soundfounder. So he runs the record store and he handpicks titles that he puts into juice lands across the state for sale. So in Dallas and Houston, and most of our Austin stores, there's a small curated record selection um, people can buy. And I love that idea of someone coming in for a smoothie or a juice and seeing something they, they either heard the artist or maybe they didn't know the artist, but they like the cover and then buying an album that then changes their life. Because who knows, you might find your favorite album of all time while waiting for your smoother there you go there you go so that's the that's the intended goal of the records is we also sell books we sell a lot of books um, books on meditation books on diet books that are you know full of um, I wouldn't say self-help but you know just in case anyone out there needs a nudge you know and they need a little something they say I got a little more than just a juice at that place self-improvement self-improvement yes. yep so Talking about that and going more tactical now, what are juice cleanses that you would suggest to people? 
Well, you know, I love a juice cleanse, but I feel like too many people make two big mistakes. The first mistake people make is they quit drinking coffee the day before their juice cleanse. And they say, ah, oh, I feel terrible. It must be the juice cleanse. <laughs> no, 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 no. I highly recommend if you're going to do a juice cleanse to take down your coffee habit over the course of maybe a week or two weeks and go from two cups to a cup and a half to a cup down to a half a cup. You have to slowly make the transition if you're planning to do that. But I tell people, you don't need to give up caffeine to do a juice cleanse. You can drink black coffee, you can drink yerba mate, you can drink green tea. All of these things will keep your caffeine levels where your body's used to them if you want. The goal is to be drinking the fresh fruits and vegetables raw. You can't do processed juice on a juice cleanse. Most of my competitors are juice companies that process the juice and they say it's cold pressed, it expires in two months. If it expires in two months, it doesn't have what you need in it. It's dead. If you want to do a juice cleanse, you need to have fresh juice, raw juice. So you either make it at home or you come to a juice bar that sells fresh, raw juice. And that juice expires in three to five days. So if you're ever looking at a bottle and this says expires in two months, expires in three days, this is the one that's good for you. It has the nutrients, the enzymes, the active, I like to say the chi, the life force. So that's another mistake people make is they do a juice cleanse with the dead juice that they bought at the store. The third mistake is people say, oh, I did three days. Well, a three-day juice cleanse is the equivalent of packing for a vacation, getting on the plane, flying to the beach, and then flying back home without ever getting off. <laughs> day four, day five, day six, that's when you enjoy the beach. Day one, two, and three is the travel to get there. So I'm constantly encouraging people to make sure they do at least four or five days so they can feel how good the energy is. Sleep is better, clarity and focus is better, and generally you find that when you're doing a juice cleanse, you are able to focus and elevate your energy in a way that's not easy to do when you're eating. So I like to do a 10 day juice cleanse. I feel like day seven, eight, nine, that's, that's the golden, you know, you've done a lot of work to get there. You might as well hang out. And so the last one I did was in March and it was 10 days and I thought it was great. I know people that do 14 day, just watermelon, uh, 14 day of master cleanse. Uh, people to do 21 days. So if three seems like too much for you, again, trust, trust um, that your body can do it and that it will, be a, it will be a clean out, you will lose weight, you will feel more focus, you will feel more energy. But if you get to day three and stop, you're not gonna have many results. Got it. Is there any way that we can find some of those recipes you have in a blog post or in just land? Well, you know, when it comes to a, when it comes to doing a cleanse, I always say you want to have a lot of green, a lot of green, you know, so a celery, cucumber juice, half celery, half cucumber, and you've juiced some spinach, kale, parsley, ginger, 
maybe that's about 60 ounces a day of this. And then on the other side, a little bit of pineapple, spinach, beet, ginger, maybe that's 16 ounces. And then maybe you do a vegetable juice, carrot base uh, with, with ginger, celery, spinach, parsley. All said and done, usually about 100 ounces of juice a day will be enough starting at 8 a.m., 10, noon, 2, 4, 6. Some people that do our cleanses do like to do the hemp milk. It's raw hemp seeds, raw dates, so it gives them a little protein. Um, and that's a nice treat to have at the end of the night. But yeah, usually 100 ounces of juice will do it. And I don't believe there's any magic combination. It really is any fruits and vegetables, just juiced. And when you're drinking it, your body starts to understand, oh, we are not doing our normal routine. Let's go work on some of this, cleaning up some of this stuff that we haven't worked on. So I believe that your body figures it out pretty quick. The fruits and vegetable juice is there to keep your energy up, but the body can go and do some cleansing it's like giving the, the metabolism a break to to clean up that's right that's right and you know we all do spring cleaning in our houses we all get tune-ups for our cars we all uh, you know get our computer scanned right for viruses right. so I think a yearly juice cleanse is a great way to do maintenance and of course fasting is mentioned in almost every holy text throughout time um, fasting is, I believe, a normal thing okay. to do. Many nutritionists and dietitians will tell you, oh, you can't do that to your body. You know, it's not good. You know, you have to have protein. And I would just say, okay, well, we've seen throughout time people incorporate fasting as a great way for maintenance. So I'm going to go with the ancient wisdom and my own personal experience. And I believe juice cleansing is a great way to feel better. Well, I do believe that because even, it, I don't know if it's the Sarah? cleanse that you took, but I know that even the, the Dallas Cowboys consumed juice land at some point. They did. In fact, it was the rookie season for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. And it was the year the Cowboys went 13 and three and made it way into the playoffs. They were drinking juice land in the locker room for the entire season. So that was cool. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. That is super yeah. cool. Yep. But we're about to finish this. And there are so many questions. I think Keep we going. have to get a, a okay. second one. Or... All right. Maybe a second one. That is so cool. If we get good engagement on this podcast, we'll do a second one. Nice. Okay. okay. I, will, I okay. will make sure that that happens. Okay. So now let, let me ask you, um, where can people find you guys on the internet? Uh, Juiceland.com. Instagram Juiceland. If you see a Juiceland in um, Islamabad or Pakistan, that's not us, but there is a Juiceland there with our logo. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just said, I like that. We're doing it. So if you see that on Instagram and it's in Arabic, that's not us. Okay. But we are the Juiceland based in Texas. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Juiceland. Um, and yeah, we've got great social media, and of course, our website has our contact, uh -huh. um, contact at juiceland.com. And yeah, we're opening three new stores in the next couple wow. of months, one in Dallas, one in Houston, and one in Round Rock, Texas. And we continue to be, what I believe, 
the premium provider of fresh juice, smoothies, vegan food in the state of Texas. Nice, and that is one of the reasons maybe you guys, I know this year you're being nominated for the by the Greater Austin Business Award as the Community Choice Award. Maybe? Uniquely Austin. Uniquely Austin. And I do believe we are uniquely Austin. Our, our flagship location on Barton Springs Road, to me, and I'm, I'm biased, is one of the most iconic uh, representations of Austin. It's by the park, it's in a really old building, and it's just fresh fruit and vegetables and good vibes, and that's kind of the origin point of our entire story. But we've got 24 locations in Austin, including the flagship Whole Foods and the airport. So I do believe we are very uniquely Austin and that we represent our community very well. Very true. I am maybe biased, but very true. <laughs> okay. Now, Matt, usually we make this last question. Okay. If you could leave the audience with a question to expand their minds, what would that question be? If I could leave an audience with one question to truly expand their minds, what would that one question be? Yeah. If you had one wish for your main goal in life, what would it be? And generally people can't answer that question. Generally, you just can't get there because nothing's gonna be good enough, right? Your answer has to be so good. So I would say that that's a difficult question to answer. What's your main goal in life? But if you can answer that goal, you can probably start working towards it. You can get there, so. That is super cool. Matt, I know we can keep talking about breath work and about, I wanted to talk about lucid dreaming and about more Vipassana, so let's get Let's get this as the first shot. Okay. We're gonna come this back. is part one. Yeah, this is part one. I really appreciate it. I appreciate again. you. Audience, we have had Matt Shook from Juiceland. It was my pleasure, my honor to, to have him here. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. If you like this show, just give it a like, thumbs up, and subscribe to the channel for more interviews like this. This is JJ Ruizcas, and I'll see you soon.